everyone, you're listening to the Tab Geeks Podcast. My name is Jesse Nolan. I am your host and the co-founder of Tab Geeks. My guest this week is David Martinez. He is the Senior Desktop Support Technician at Clay Lacey Aviation, and I've been looking forward to recording this one for a long time, so I'm glad we finally got around to getting you on the podcast. David, welcome. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much, Jesse, for having me on as well. I have been looking forward to this for, I believe, just about a year and a half now, so... Great to be on. Well, the truth is I'm really just a huge plane geek, so I just want to hear all about your job working at an airport. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. So, yeah, whatever you want to know, um, any specifics, uh, there are definitely some things that I cannot talk about just because of our uh, type of clientele. Mm-hmm. So um, just be mindful of that, but definitely ask away, and uh, I'd love to share the knowledge that I have. No, I really want to know those stories. Uh, so before we jump into that i want to start with my uh segment that i always begin with my favorite part of the podcast which is how did you get into tech especially ending up in the aircraft industry that's kind of like my dream is to you know do it for i don't know planes or something in a different life i probably would have been in the air force um everyone's got a story what's yours wow how did i end up in tech um you know i've played with tech as ever since I was a kid, just as most children of the uh, late seventies or well, I guess I'm more early seventies, but uh, you know, seventies and eighties go, you know, playing with Ataris and then your Commodores. And then it's like, Classic. Oh, wait a second. You can, you can actually do stuff if you do stuff. You know? <laughs> and so um, I'm a Valley kid. So, you know, I got the whole Valley thing going. Um, so I think it was, maybe second or third grade where we had some Macintosh or Macintosh two computers. And I loved playing the little games that they had. You know, I played some game called lemonade stand and, um, that sort of stuff just kind of started intriguing me. Um, but I, I understood from an early age that, I really liked the technology, but I wasn't like the quote unquote geek where I like got into programming and just did this full on like, you know, up all night doing this stuff. And when I was 11 years old, I was able to, you know, have my own, um, you know, chat rooms on the basic Internet and all that sort of stuff. Like, (laughs) no, it wasn't like that. You know, it was just that I had a strong affinity for it and I took it so far. Um, but as a Gemini, I have many, 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 many interests in many, many different things. So I've found now in my forties that, or I understand in my forties that it is a little hard to root me down in one particular thing. And that's why when I say that, you know, I've been an IT manager for 10 years and blah, 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 I say, I joke around and I say, you know, well, I only played an IT manager on on TV, you know, (laughs) I'm not really one in person (laughs) because, you know, I don't compare myself to a lot of IT managers on that level because of what I've had to deal with, which which are really small networks and uh, really small environments. Um, Yeah, you know, I just, I've always liked technology. I've always grown up with it. And I will continue to be uh, heavily invested in technology. And my careers will always be technically inclined. So um, it's just grown from there. So, you know, I can 
go into whatever direction you'd like me to go, but I think it'd be better if uh, maybe more specific question after that. <laughs> yeah, and, and this is something that I've been interested in exploring a little bit more uh, on the podcast as well from some of the people I've been talking to getting some feedback is people want to hear kind of, you know, what was your path into becoming an IT manager? Or what do you actually do as an IT manager? There's so, so many different uh titles and names and things mm. that we call ourselves and most of it is mm -hmm. is just made up right you know mm -hmm. i call my yep. department yep. tech ops right so you know i'm the tech ops manager whatever that means right so right you know let's start with uh back to after being a big fan of technology as a teenager and finding out there was a little bit more to this world um did you go to school for technology or for it or computer science or was it just a, a hobby that turned into a career uh more of a hobby that turned into a career yep just started little by little same and um I'm the same way uh yeah just really surprised at how far it's actually taken me or how far i've been able to go without the uh the formal education the technical education any of that stuff you know i'm uh i self-admittedly am extremely bad when it comes to academics. <laughs> I have, I have always been, but yet I've always scored extremely high beyond everything. When I do my, when I did my testing in elementary school and junior high school, it was always at, you know, college level. I was taking college level classes when I was in elementary school off campus because that was the only way I could do it. Um, so it's like, I don't want to say that, you know, there's that, you know, intelligence thing because intelligence is relative. Um, but there's definitely been something that's helped me, you know, in that sense. So book smart, but didn't get along with school so well. Right. Right. <laughs> book smart and life smart. Um, you know, just getting hands on, you know, that's really what it was, was uh, getting a lot of hands on. But to be honest with you, just to give you the quick rundown, I mean, you know, I just started working in technology because my older brother had started working in technology and he, he started working in technology because he liked to tinker and make gaming machines. And this was in the early nineties. So I learned a lot from him in terms of how to physically break down and build a computer and what the components were and how they all work together and what drivers meant and what all the different software meant. And me being more of a business minded, more corporate and all that sort of stuff. I was looking at it from a business work standpoint of view, more than just a hobby standpoint of view, which is what my brother was doing. But because of his knowledge and all that, and um, his networking, he knew a guy that needed somebody to, to help him um, do home repairs on computers. So my brother was doing that, but my brother was like, look, you should really hire my, my brother, David, because he knows more of this on a business level and he can help you more with your business. So I started doing that for a couple of years. Um, and then uh, I worked for uh, different entertainment studios um, film studios and was doing administrative work. And in 2008, I started working for a sound company, a DTS Digital Cinema. And I worked for them for two years as a uh, studio services account manager. And they knew I had a technical background. They had a lot of confidence in me. 
we had issues with our IT department and uh, my manager came to me one day and asked me to put together a plan to revamp all the computers in our department. I said that I would rather not do that because I'm not involved in the IT department whatsoever. And I would rather not step on people's toes that way because that's just, in my opinion, a big no-no in corporate. So he was like, understood, no problem. And so about, I don't know, probably two months after that, he came back to me and he said, okay, uh, we fired the IT manager and the executive department or the executive board uh, has said that they would like you to take over the position. Wow. Yeah. And I was like, um, excuse me. <laughs> yeah. Say that again. <laughs> I was like, you know, I have no professional experiences in terms of being an IT manager or even really working in a real IT department. Right. And he's like, yep, we know, but we have confidence in you and we think you can do it. If, if you can't, then, you know, we'll figure something out. And I was like, okay, let's do this. You know, so <laughs> I dove in and how many employees you know, did they have a, at that point? Uh, at that point we had, um, we had broken off. So DTS had actually, at that point we had broken off from the main part of DTS digital cinema. We were just the cinema division, which had approximately, uh, 60 some employees across two offices, an office in Los Angeles and an office in the UK. Wow. So you're thrown yeah. into the position of IT manager in a department of one overseeing tech for 60 people on two continents. <laughs> yes. Your stress level go up significantly? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, to be honest with you, it was not even so much a stress level. It was that I was so busy because what really happened was they said, yes, you can have the position. But we need you to continue working your previous position of the studio services account manager because, you know, well, these are some really important accounts and we can't just have them floundering around while you're transitioning. And I'm like, okay, I understand that and I'll go ahead and, you know, do the best that I can. So after two months, um, it was extremely stressful because it's just a stressful position to be in, period. And, um, I said, yeah, let's make a decision on exactly what you want to do because I'm not going to be able to continue doing this. And so they said, well, do you want to do the full-time IT management then? And I said, if you think I've been doing an okay job, then yes. And they said, you've been a great doing a great job, you know. So um, that's how I ended up, you know, end up going in full-time. That's what really happened there, you know, in that transition. Wow, so trial by fire. With uh, a good fallback plan, but you didn't actually want to stick with the account management. And uh, are you happy with it? You glad you stuck with the tech side? Oh, extremely, extremely. I mean, you know, so like you asked me the stress level, um, it wasn't so much the stress level after that. It was just being so busy. I realized at one point, I think about three months later, I was like, I haven't even looked at my personal email in like two months. Wow. You know, I was like, I'm that busy, but you know what? I, and at the time, um, I didn't have a car. So I was taking, you know, the bus to work and, um, I was walking like, I don't know, three and a half miles, maybe every day, you know, whatever. But I was waking up so happy, Jesse. I was so happy, so energized every single day I got up and I was like, let's do this. 
You know, I was like, let's go. I love this. This is what I wanted. This is what I had been thinking about for the past like five years that I've kind of started getting into this, you know, technical side of things, you know, and it, my, what, almost four years or so doing it there, uh, with them, it it was just awesome. It was great. You know, it was, it was a really, really great experience. And especially because they gave me that opportunity to learn as a trial by fire, because that's really what it was. Um, I had an MSP that kind of helped me and, and do all the major high configuration stuff and, um, taught, taught me a lot of the basics of, you know, server administration and network administration as a one man shop. And, um, it, it was just great. It was an incredible, awesome experience. Wow, what a great way to get into IT! And it's so funny because I talked to a whole bunch, a whole bunch of people uh, on Twitter and and social media, and uh, so many people are just like, "Well, you know, I sit all day in front of a computer and I do my thing, and I am excited at the end of the day to go home, and I get home and sit down in front of my computer and do my thing. We do what we love, <laughs> you know, <laughs> right." No, that's true. And, you know, I, for me, what was so nice about it, what I loved was I wasn't just sitting in front of a computer all day long. I rarely was at my desk. I was doing everything because I was a one man shop. So I was doing desktop support as well as, um, you know, server network administration. We were doing, I did a whole tele, uh, telecom switchover of literally everything from the, uh, ISP to the physical network, to the networking, um, to the phones, you know, the devices, um, you know, I did, I did that, you know, we did VLANing, uh, tried to get things as best as we could because things were just kind of thrown together because of our, uh, detachment from the main DTS uh, company at that time. So, um, it, it was a lot to learn and I went through a lot and, and it was awesome in that sense because, I went on to other jobs and I was like, oh, yeah, I know how to do this. And it's nice that we have more money now at this position and <laughs> in terms of uh, in terms of the company having more money right. um, to, to, to be able to do the projects properly or, or get this different type of tech and things like that. So, wow, that's uh, that's one of the more unique ones that we've heard on here. Uh, we've heard from a couple of different people that they had similar stories where there was a, a good manager that saw what they were working on and. Uh, and you know, saw the potential in there, and and pushed them, or even signed them up, as was one case, signed them up without telling them for uh, the next level position. But you got practically a career change just by somebody saying you're going to do it now. That's great. You know, Jesse. I, I guess yeah. If you want to put it that way, that's that's what happened. I've never really thought of it that way, and I've never even thought of it as a career change, um, because. I, I guess I wasn't considering my administrative career at that point a career. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it was just it was just jobs. Sure. Um, and because of my personal, you know, background and you know other things that were going on in my life at the time, um, it was hard just to get a job. And well, it's two thousand eight. You said, yeah, two thousand eight. Exactly. Yeah, the recession. It's a tough year. Yeah. The recession um, that definitely affected me. It was a, a very, very hard time. So, um, you know, I had always wanted to get into technology to some degree, and 
yeah, I guess you could say that I was uh, thrown into it and told, here's what you're going to do <laughs> if you would like to do it. <laughs> so how long did you stay in that position for before going to uh, another company or to your next challenge? Uh, so I was there for about four, four and a half years. And unfortunately, the company had just been, you know, downsizing and downsizing the whole time. So I got laid off, uh, worked for them as a contractor for about a year or so, and then worked as a contractor, a uh, couple various positions, you know, I worked for a law firm for a little while. Um, that was kind of crazy. <laughs> um, yeah, you got to have thick skin for that, especially them or entertainment, you know. Oh, I can imagine. Um, yeah. And then I was able to get a contracting job with the same company I'm at right now, Clay Lacey Aviation and Van Nuys. Um, I was working for them as a contract IT employee. And I was there maybe six months or so. Was hoping to get brought on full time, but they hadn't made a decision. And uh, fortunately, there was another position that was um, brought to me um, uh, literally just Again, by networking, somebody had recommended me to a company for an IT manager position and they wanted to interview me. So I said, all right, you know, let me go do the interview. And they really liked me and they wanted to hire me. They offered me the position. So I left Clay Lacey as a contractor and went to uh, this company in Chatsworth. Small company had about um, uh, 25 or so users. But the uh, IT infrastructure was that of a you know couple hundred user base infrastructure. It was really funny. Um, I walked into the to my office, which was essentially the server room, and I walked in with the owner, and I was like, "What are you guys doing here? Like running half a NASA? Because like you got four <laughs> racks, literally four seven foot tall racks full of equipment." And he's like. I don't know. The last IT manager just said, this is what we needed. And I'm like, okay, well, we're, we're, well, let's see what's going on. So I, you know, fiddled that down over the years. So anyways, I worked for that company for five years as an IT manager um, and was laid off, unfortunately, because of COVID. But during that time, I had kept in contact with uh, the IT manager, the, the person who eventually became the IT manager at Clay Lacey. And, um, Thank be to God, he called me in July and just asked me, you know, hey, what are you doing? And I said, nothing. I'm not working right now. And he said, okay, well, we got a position that I'd like to hire you for, and uh, you're going to have an interview tomorrow. So I was like, wow, okay, just thank you very much. And uh, here we are. Look at that. Don't burn bridges, folks. <laughs> mm. Don't ever burn bridges unless absolutely absolutely necessary but um yeah don't burn bridges and network yeah i was gonna say you've mentioned networking a couple of times uh throughout our discussion here can you i guess elaborate on that a little bit what is some of your methods what do you do what is what do you consider networking sure so first off when i always talk about me being an it person i always say i'm not your typical it person and i like that or i'm told you're not the typical it person and I like that because I'm not the typical IT person. In my opinion, and I hope I don't offend anybody, but in my opinion, you know, your typical IT person is somebody who is very technical, not so much personable. Um, somebody who doesn't have strong soft skills, but somebody who has strong technical skills. And it's understandable that that's how the 
tech industry is because we need, when it comes down to it, we need somebody who can program the server, not somebody who can make nice with the users, you know, because the servers working right is what's going to make the money, you know, not your relationship with the users, you know. Now, through the years, I hope that we've understood that the soft skills are becoming as important as the technical skills because you can teach the technical skills, but it's extremely hard to teach the soft skills. Absolutely. So in that sense, or to that point, I've always considered myself a very personable person. I'm not your usual, or I'm not your typical tech person uh, that is hard to engage socially. Um, I'm very personal. I'm very open. I love to talk. I'm a communicator. I'm a strong communicator. Um, I'll be sitting there with the user and it's hard for me not to mention, you know, something about one of the five pictures that they have of themselves climbing Mount Everest. You know, it's like, I, it's hard for me to just say, Hey, so is that you in that picture? And that's just going to strike up a whole conversation. And in my opinion, it's worked so much more better for me than it's been negative because I've developed stronger relationships with these users. Um, and, and I do tend to try and do that to a higher level because sometimes you want to give them that, I don't know, extra care, you know, mm-hmm. or support. And I'm talking about like C-level, executive level, yeah. uh, people. White, white club um, service. Exactly. Exactly. And I feel like I'm very good at that because, you know, early on my background has always been rooted in customer service. So I feel like I have that ability to provide that, um, executive level service. But again, um, I'm just more personable, more, you know, able to be sociable. And so that's helped with my networking skills because I will be out and about with people or somewhere at an event and just strike up a conversation. I'm always striking up conversations and lo and behold, the person's in technology also. And they're like, Oh wow. You know, we should, you know, get together sometime and talk about it or, you know, collaborate on something or like you and I, (laughs) you know, do a podcast on something. So it just, you just go from there and you never know when at some point in time they're like, Hey, you know what? I've gotten to know you and I've gotten to know your background and what you can do and what, you know, you've done. And I, I think I'd like to, you know, offer you an opportunity with my company, or I know somebody that I really would like to introduce you to. It happens all the time because, in my opinion, I would much rather hire somebody that I know either to a first or second or third degree um, than a complete stranger that I'm going to have to try and figure out and know, do I really want to bring this person on my team after only meeting him two or three times in an interview? It was a great tips. And I actually, interestingly enough, I just looked up um, the first message that we exchanged on LinkedIn was uh, two years ago this week, actually. And uh, <laughs> we had connected on a, on a forum, one of the other forums out there. And uh, mm-hmm. I think we were talking about um, my Tab Geeks Tab conference. Geeks. Yeah. And yep. Uh, yep. but but from there on out, we continued connecting on my obsession with my weekly wings <laughs> making where I decided I was done getting fat off of nachos and I was going to start making wings every week and and trying to find yep. my way through over the last year or so to get that just right, crispy, delicious wings oh. results. 
the elusive Nirvana, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna have to release some things after this. But, yeah, but that's exactly. that's exactly the point is that we didn't we didn't even really talk that much, you know. But we commented on different posts on LinkedIn, and every time I had a wings post, you were there. You're like, oh man, it looks amazing. I gotta I gotta get some wings, and that's it. Yep, you know, that's all it takes. Yeah. <laughs> exactly exactly we started out on a professional level but we immediately transitioned to personal you know and it's been great you know we've talked about a few things and um now we're kind of bringing it back a little into the professional realm with this you know but either way um what do you want to what do you want to know is my number one tip for wings yeah you absolutely want to know your number one tip for wings what do i do um well i've already told you but this is more for the audience i get I guess, uh, order bad Byron's butt rub. That sounds delicious. Bad, yeah. <laughs> bad Byron's butt rub. You can find it probably on Amazon. I know locally, uh, some Walmarts have it, but barbecues galore usually has it. That's, um, my number one rub that I've been using for probably 10 years now easy um and and it just goes great with everything (laughs) i mean like literally everything love it look at that folks we're turning this uh we're branching out and turning this into a cooking show (laughs) (laughs) that's definitely the first uh cooking tip that we've had on here so congratulations on that one (laughs) nice thank you thank you well i'm gonna have to follow up real quick with number two which is marinate your wings Are you one of those like three day marinade type guys? Oh yeah, brother. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, if I'm doing like a tri-tip or something like that, you know, I'll easily marinate a tri-tip starting on Monday, poke the heck out of it. And what I like to use is uh, tequila, um, usually a, a reposado tequila or a darker beer, um, maybe an IPA, just depending on the flavors, you know, and all that. I actually like Pacifico beer as a, a marinade. It actually has an interesting flavor once the alcohol cooks off. But uh, Pacifico has a really, really interesting flavor to it. Um, marinate that starting on Monday. Um, kind of shake it around, massage it a lot. I'll put it in a bag. I'll massage it, you know, throughout Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I'll check it, probably add in some more liquids to it. So it'll marinate some more. And then come Saturday, that thing's just beautifully marinated, incredibly tender, and uh, cooks really well. Love it. Well, <laughs> folks, if you want to hear more t- cooking tips, let me know. We'll bring this back on a on a future episode, I suppose. Let's get back into tech. Um, tell me about, you mentioned already the company that you're working at, Clearly see, uh, but you worked for them once before. You're back Tell me what that's like. Your your office is uh, is a is a G five, right? You're just sitting on a tarmac. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, I have to take my shoes off so I don't mess anything up inside. You know, <laughs> so um, it's crazy, man. To be honest with you, because we have uh, getting up to seven hundred plus employees. We're hiring all the time, and um, I guess we're supporting about two fifty users plus. Uh, probably half of them are at home. So for me, going from a one-man shop, kind of handling everything for the most part, well, actually did have an assistant for the past couple of years, but, uh, you know, for the most part, handling it all and um, not that high of a user base. And then going to this, it's pretty crazy. You know, first and foremost, I'm averaging like three and a half miles walking every day which is like 
killing me. <laughs> I'm working from home and averaging about three and a half feet a day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, but I can't complain too much because of, apparently the uh, technicians that work in the hangars on the airplanes, they're doing like seven to 10 miles a day, I guess, just walking around. Damn. So, yeah. So I'm like, hey, you know, can't complain too much, you know. But um, yeah, it, it's just uh, it's extremely busy and it's uh, trial by fire and, you know, you better be able to handle it. And that's why I was called to come in because, um, you know, the IT manager knew me and he knew how I operated. And uh, it's uh, it's been interesting. I'll tell you that it's been interesting, but it's going to be a very, very good lesson for me because I'm I'm exposed to and learning so much new technology that I haven't used before. You know, I didn't use a ticketing system at all for the past 10 years, you know, but now we're using Jira and yeah, yikes. <laughs> yeah. And I have to, you know, understand I mean, it's, it's for the most part easy if you're just using the ticketing part of it. Yeah. Um, but we have, you know, I was counting off the other day, uh, how many different programs and whatnot that we're using and between all departments, we're probably supporting at least eight different applications and i'm talking about like throwing office in as just one application you know um but i mean between all the different programs we you know because we'll have like one department that has to track the flights and book the flights and do all that sort of stuff and then there's the accounting department that has the accounting software that we have and a lot of it's proprietary um uh, software because we had to figure out how nobody had software for it you know, for what we're trying to do, you know, so a lot of it's proprietary. So a lot of it is just in-house support that we have to handle. We're moving on from that now, um, which is good, but still it just is like five or six different programs just right there on top of all your normal everyday, you know, programs that people are using. Oh yeah. It's, that's tough, especially when they're, um, custom programs hosted in-house. That's just a whole different can of worms than, Exactly. SaaS providers. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, we got one piece of software like that that we had custom coded a couple of years ago, and it desperately needs to be upgraded and and connected to a bunch of services that we've that we've connected since it was built, and uh, it's just not getting done. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, I understand from a business standpoint of view, um, it's really hard to convince the decision makers or the 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 ones who sign the check to spend that money, you know, because, um, and this is something that I'd really like to do. I'd really like to write a paper on this, but you know, it is just a cost center. You know, we don't generate income whatsoever. We are just a cost center. So for me, and this is where my business side of things come in is, um, you have to justify those costs and the best way or the better that you're able to justify those costs and present it to the um, financing people, the easier it is to get those things approved. So for me, what I like to do, being that I understand business, I grew up in business, I know business as well as technology, is I'm able to show them, look, if you do this, you're going to save this much money. If you don't do this, you will potentially spend this much money 
Now, which one would you like to do? And when they see the numbers and when it's explained like that a little bit more explicitly, they're like, oh, that makes sense now. Like now we understand why you want to spend so much money on security (laughs) or, you know, this or that, you know, and it's like, yeah, and I'm going to save you money over here too, you know, because I understand that we don't necessarily need this service or we don't need this particular level of service. And there's always different ways that you can try and save money. But the point is, we're just a cost center. Well, from a business point of view, since you bring up that side of the business, um, how do you quantify that? Where do you get those numbers from? Uh, it's hard. And it was a heck of a lot easier when I had less than 100 people. <laughs> That's why I asked the question. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I, I guess what you could really do is just start multiplying those, you know. Um, so essentially, it's things like, all right, um, let's say we have 50 people. <clears throat> And what you've been doing for the past 10 years is you just been ordering, you know, the new office every time it comes out for everybody and you're spending, you know, X amount of thousands of dollars every year for that. Okay. Well, have you ever done an audit and seen if, you know, John over in mechanics actually needs office or if Sally over here in customer service really needs the whole office pro package? Um, are you guys really under budget and are you really trying to squeeze and save money wherever you can? Okay. If that's the case, then let's look into doing open office or Google, you know, Google has come a long way. And if you can just understand how to use it, which that's where I step in and help you understand how to use it from a business standpoint of view and break it down in easy, non-technical terms, then you'll become comfortable with it and you'll go, wow, we just saved $50,000 because we didn't have to order the new version of Office for everybody. We're able to do the exact same thing. We have a couple little hiccups here and there, but overall, we're saving a lot of money. So if I can explain it to them like that, then it makes it a lot easier to push those things through or get them to understand how I can help the technology make the business run better. I was recently recently reading an article, and uh, it was saying that you, when you're pitching a project or even just a a series of upgrades in IT, it's beneficial, especially when you're dealing with the CEO or the CFO, whoever you report to, uh, to think of it almost like a startup, right? Think of it as a internal business unit, and what are they going to get out of it? What is the ROI of what you're bringing there? Exactly. That's kind of what you were touching mm-hmm. on there. Is yeah, we're going to save money here because this other thing isn't going to happen, or your your people are going to be able to be more productive by using a project management software, for example, and uh, your projects will be more likely to stay on track. and And some of these numbers are actually available online. You can you know find them through through studies that different companies have done, and usually it only costs you your email address. So be sure to use a fake one so you don't get spammed constantly <laughs> well you can always reach me at me at me too.com so oh that's a good one i, I i'm also there <laughs> <laughs> look at that i no, didn't even right. know and- shared an email <laughs> <laughs> that's why i've been getting all that spam um no you're right and again i'm not formally educated and i haven't done as much research on some of this stuff as i should have to be honest, it's just kind of my natural inclination of, well, this is how business is. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you just normally organize and, you know, make things as efficient as possible because that's how you're ultimately going to make the most profit. Now, 
do you want to do things the McDonald's way or do you want to do things the Nordstrom way? You know, you're either going to have high margins or you're going to have low margins. What are you comfortable with and what level of service do you want to provide to your customers? Those are all part of the big picture and it all comes down to, you know, the bottom line. And it also depends what you consider your customers too. Is a lot of us are are working where our customers our customers are the internal employees. We don't even see the public facing customers at all. Well, in that sense, yes. I'm talking more from just a business standpoint mm-hmm. in general with the, with their actual customers. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's a whole different thing, though. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's been tough, even for myself. You know, we've we've had a number of things that we've worked on. I just uh, am in the process now of overhauling our entire phone system. It's the largest project that I've ever done. It touches every single point of the company, and and like you said, there's going to be some hiccups. And the problem is those hiccups are the ones that the CEO and the CFO both uh, liked the most about the previous system. And I'm just like, yeah, you can't do it that way anymore. So, you know, right. there's going to be those, those different areas. Um, but it is a challenge to really find what those numbers are and say, okay, well, moving on to a cloud-based system, that's twice the price or 10 times the price, whatever it is, depending on how cheaply you're running your other systems. It's, uh, it's, it's always interesting to try and calculate what it's going to be for, uh, any kind of an ROI like this. You, you really have to dig in, you know, and I think that's what it is, is just that most people don't have the time. Um, and a lot of people don't really want to spend the time because it's not sexy whatsoever, (laughs) but you really do have to dig in and see like, where are we spending the money? And you have to go through and see the whole process. And, you know, I've, I've thought about it on many jobs. I'm like, you know, why are we setting everybody up on this platform when that's not really the most efficient way for them to be doing it? So to try and be a general or give a general example, um, convincing the company to spend more money to get i7 processors instead of i5 processors and having 16 gigs of RAM instead of 8 gigs of RAM. All right, well, how do you explain that? You know, your typical IT manager may just say, hey, well, you know, the technical process is going to run much faster and you'll have less crashes and blah, 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 you know, whatever. And they're just like, eh, we still don't see it. You know, they're like, we still don't see the reason to do it. Mm-hmm. But if you kind of break it down more on a personal level where you're like, okay, do you remember how last year we had to, you know, re-image your computer and it took like a day and a half away from you and you were really upset and they're like, yeah, that was really messed up, you know? Okay, well, that's because we were using XYZ, you know, hardware software. And this is my proposal is that it cost the company my time so, you know, let's say I'm making 40 bucks an hour times, you know, six hours on this, pro- on this particular project. And it costs you X amount of time away because you couldn't use your computer for three, four hours. So let's just take that into account right there. That's already, you know, a few hundred dollars, if not getting into a thousand plus dollars. Okay. Um, and then you just start throwing in some of those numbers and, and say, you know, so if we did this, if we did that, we wouldn't have to spend that money or we wouldn't have to spend that time because that time, it always equates money. You just have to understand how to show because it's really hard to show how the time equates to the money. But if you can show it, it makes it so much easier. If I can say, look, I spent eight hours working on this project. If we had done this, this, and this, it would have only taken me two. So, and in, in, in order for me to have 
done it for in two hours, we would have only had to spend this much money. But over the next five years, we're saving so much more money by just spending this much up front and me working less hours on those those problems and projects down the line. That's awesome. And that's something also Does that, that makes sense. Absolutely. And it took me personally a long time to uh, to realize that um, people hours are a huge calculating factor in that and something Huge. that a lot of people forget about because they're only looking at okay well i have to pay out this much money and this is how much it's going to cost me to do this it's like well no if you don't go down this road then you're going to be spending triple that because of the amount of time it's going to take to to macgyver all of this and i have sat in many of meetings jesse where they literally avoided on purpose because no one wants to actually do that work of going Oh man, we really have to account for all this because <laughs> it's hard. It's a lot of extremely detailed, uh, a lot of extremely detailed stuff. But that's where the uh, the technical focus people can shine is getting into the details and getting into the down and dirty and not having to go to those meetings. And then folks like you and I are are able to go to those meetings and say, okay, well, here's what we're looking at, and you know, here's my presentation. And to be honest with you, Jesse, it's what has helped get me where I am and has helped get me what I've had in my life for the past 10 plus years. Um, just to tell you an interesting story, not so much technical, I guess this is more on the business side of things, but um, when I was with uh, DTS, um, when we had finally broken off, we were actually under a different name now. Uh, Datasat Digital Entertainment was the company. And they had uh, new owners and all that. So um, they really... Uh, uh, they they really respected and appreciated my business knowledge. And so I was very fortunate to sit in on a lot of executive meetings. So we had one particular meeting where we were meeting with a, a possible partner vendor. And we had slated two days to be with these guys um, to go over our technology, to go over investments to go over what they wanted to do. It was this whole project with downtown Los Angeles using Wi-Fi systems and blah, 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 blah. So we're in the whole first meeting for the whole day going through stuff. And I had already immediately kind of pegged these guys and was like, these guys have no money. They don't have a full plan. They don't know what they're doing. This is not something that we should be spending this amount of time and resources on because we had like everybody in there. So, but I was like, I'm not the person to bring that up. So at the end of the day, um, because of my relationship with the owners, I was able to candidly kind of say, Hey, let's, let's kind of look at a couple things tomorrow, um, and get it out of the way right away because I have a feeling that there's a couple issues and they were like, Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, for sure. And that's a great idea. So the next day, um, they kind of looked at me a couple times and was like, you know, David, what do you think about that? And, you know, what do you think about this? And so it opened up the door. <laughs> they opened the door essentially. And I just started asking them a series of questions and they were mostly where's the funding? Who's your funding? What is your timeline? Uh, where are your milestones? Um, just a couple of things like that. And when I was talking about milestones, uh, they were like, what? No. Uh, well, and then they then then they essentially said, "Well, we were hoping that you guys were going to be the main funders, and we were bringing the idea to you." And that's when I said, and I looked at the owners and was like, 
um, I think we need to reassess the situation and um, just end the meetings now because this is not what we had uh, previously thought was going to be the case. So they were, <laughs> I just thought it was funny because they were like, yeah, yeah, we're done. <laughs> and, <laughs> I bet they're pretty happy with you for asking that question. Yeah, they, it, but it, it just really shocked me that these owners had not thought to bring that up, you know, had not thought of that level of the business and thought about like, you know, we're going to use this much time and resources with these guys. Like we should know some things up front. And that's what kind of shocked me about that. Yeah. So if you want to get ahead, just uh, feel free to uh, speak up and and say the things that that come to mind because people, other people in the room may not have necessarily have thought of them. And uh, if you've got, you know, whatever your area of expertise is, whether it's business or it's a, a different part of the, the, the different part of the business or a different part of the things that you're working on, you know, knowledge has value and bringing it up in these things can be very powerful, both for the, the room and, and for a career. Definitely. Definitely. Always be delicate and careful how you do it, but you know, sensitive to your audience, but, uh, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit more about uh, Clay Lacey. You know, are you doing your normal office day to day running some network cables and making sure that all the lights stay on kind of work? Or are you also uh, responsible for the super cool satellite internet hookups and, you know, making sure the tech on the planes work and things like that? Um, well, in terms of the tech on the airplanes, we don't do too much of on that. Mm hmm. Um, just to be honest with you. So that is really handled by the, uh, I guess like avionics departments, um, or the, uh, aircraft manufacturer themselves, you know, oh, so like, let's say a, a Gulf stream, uh, aircraft. So if you're talking about the radar system, let's say, um, yeah, we would absolutely have nothing to do with, you know, the software it's all proprietary. And they try and keep it all off network, except for any kind of like Wi-Fi connection that they'll have for the uh, pilots or the crew. That makes sense. And customers. Yeah. But like um, they have laptops, standalone laptops that they use to upload and download uh, databases of information for like, you know, radar for mapping systems, terrain following systems, things like that. Um, we, we absolutely have no involvement in those whatsoever, unfortunately, or fortunately, who knows, because we're talking about airplanes and you want to be really careful. I was going to say, that sounds like a headache. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, it could be, it could be. Um, but it's really neat. You know, I mean, I get to go into these hangars. I mean, these huge, huge hangars here at Van Nuys airport that are, I mean, these were built like pretty much right at the beginning or at during world war two. Oh, yeah, so I'm in these, you know, old hangars that are all wooden structures, um, just massive. And, you know, we've upgraded them of course, as much as we can and all the offices and, and we do have our own modern offices as well. The, it's just where my particular office right now is uh, in one of the old hangars. Um, but we can fit, uh, geez, probably about 10 to 20 different jets inside of there, just depending on what size they are. Wow. And, huge. uh, we're pretty full. We, we handle, um, 
we recently opened up a maintenance hangar, essentially. So it's like a, I guess you could call it like a, a mechanic shop for airplanes, you know, or for jets, private jets. And we're like probably one of the largest uh, in the area. And so we're extremely busy on that end too, just maintaining people's jets. So we'll have all kinds of people coming through every single day. You just go out there and if they happen to have their logo or something on there, you know, then you'll be like, Oh wow, that's so-and-so's jet. That's pretty cool. So that's awesome. Yeah. I'm, I'm in long beach. So we're also, we've got a huge amount of, uh, local aviation history, both from, um, building the jets and, uh, through the war efforts and, and whatnot. So I totally get that. Must be pretty cool working out of a, a hangar though. I can't imagine like that's a huge amount of space to be able to hold all of, all of those planes. Oh yeah, it's massive. I mean, I don't know all the numbers in terms of square footage and all that yet, but um, yeah, it's large. I mean, we'll easily have, let's see. I mean, some of the largest planes are like the the Gulf Streams. What are they? Six fifties, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, people call them like G sixes, but that's not really what you're supposed to call them. Um, those are really really big, and we could probably fit probably ten easily, ten maybe fifteen or twelve in there. Um, I mean, these things, the wingspan on them has got to be a hundred yards. I would think if they're like 60 yards, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's neat. It's really neat to go in there and, um, you know, they got planes just torn down. They have to do these midlife, uh, maintenance on them and they got like half the wing taken off and, you know, the, the nose cone is fully broken down and they got the whole radar system exposed and, you know, fuel systems and the landing gear systems. They got the engines, dude, this is so cool, Jesse. So they'll bring in, you know, those champion cranes, those huge cranes. Mm-hmm. So the, the, the yellow and blue ones, sure. they'll bring in these huge champion cranes that are like, um, I don't know, five stories tall or so. And they'll remove the side, the whole, the, the jet engine, you know, off the side of the aircraft. And then they'll, put it on these huge pedestals and do maintenance on them for a couple of weeks and switch out all these systems on it and then bring the crane back and bolt it back onto the airplane. <laughs> it takes like two days to do it or something. I don't know. It's, wow. it's pretty neat though. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Crazy. They, uh, they build buildings with those champion cranes. Those things are massive. Yeah. Boats, yeah. Well, all kinds of you stuff. know, the engines are heavy. Yeah. And I was asking, I was asking one of the guys, I said, so what does it cost to do like a maintenance like this, you know, a half year or I'm sorry, half life maintenance. And he was like, eh, it's about two fifty, about 250,000, $300,000, you know? And I was like, is that just straight out of pocket or is there like an insurance or some sort of plan you have for that or what? And he's like, nope, that's straight out of pocket. Cost of ownership. Just like, oh, dude, the cost of ownership on a jet. It's like buying a boat. Oh, it's worse, man. I mean, the cost of ownership. Okay, let's just say you want to get a a Gulf. Oh, what are they like? I don't know. One of the lower end Gulf streams. You know, it's probably like thirty million dollars. Okay, just to buy the plane, but the yearly cost of ownership on it, you have to pay for maintenance after every single flight and before every single flight. You have to pay for the um, the flight crew. You have to pay for the uh, the uh, pilot, the co pilot the place where you house it you know to clean it i mean it's just ridiculous the amount of money (laughs) remind me never to buy a plane (laughs) 
Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. If you have the money, just charter it. <laughs> right. We'll use somebody else's plane. I'll buy a boat instead. Exactly. There you go. Yeah. A lot of money there. Jeez. Yeah, that's another uh, another person I got to interview. I was just talking to somebody who does uh, IT on uh, cruise ships. Got to get got to get him on. It's gonna be awesome. I wanted to do that. Oh yeah, oh, really? I so wanted to do that. Oh yeah, because um, Princess Cruises, I think, is up in Santa Clarita, uh-huh. and. They've been hiring for the past couple of years for some really, really good IT positions. And I was like, that would be perfect. You know, I mean, I, I could totally go and get on a ship for months at a time if I had to. <laughs> it sounds like fun. My wife would kill me, but, you know, it sounds like a lot right. of fun. <laughs> well, no, she could get to come along every once in a while. You yeah, know, sure. Bring the kids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. All right. Um, my last question here, and then we'll wrap up, is uh, do you have any tips or advice for people that are starting out in IT? You know, we like to try and give back to the uh, to the community here. What would you tell somebody who's just getting started trying to figure out what to do in their career, where to go, how to uh, move from one position to the next? Any kind of advice you could give? Sure. Yeah. And I love helping people. I'm a mentor, you know, definitely. Um So like I mentioned earlier, I feel that soft skills are almost as important as the technical skills. So don't forget about the soft skills. Always work hard and always take on the challenging positions that no one else wants to do because those are the things that are going to get you the recognition. And hard work, no matter what, will always get you recognized. Sometimes it's not good, but usually it is. That is awesome advice. Yeah. And networking, you know, just network, network, network. But um, for somebody starting out, join Spiceworks, go to spiceworks.com, join the community, get involved in the community, join your local chapter join and Tab try Geeks. and meet up <laughs> and join Tab Geeks as well. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> You know, any community you can. I, I, I just, you know, the Spice Workers was my first one and I got a lot out of it. I mean, personally, professionally, I really got a lot out of it. But, you know, join these organizations and get involved and network and talk to people, listen to podcasts, ask a lot of questions and just put yourself out there. Excellent. Thank you so much, David. Folks, continue the conversation. We do have our Tab Geek Slack community, which is uh, no sponsors and no assholery allowed. That's at tabgeeks.com forward slash Slack. David, if somebody wanted to reach out to you, say, hey, what's your platform of choice? Um, They can email me directly at beachparty2k at yahoo.com. Nice. Love it. Giving out your personal email. It's not even the me at metoo.com email. Hopefully no uh, no marketers are listening to this podcast here. That's all right. That's all right. I'm personally on Twitter. Uh, well, I'm on all platforms, but I'm usually easiest reached on Twitter. I'm Mr. J. Nolan, or you can hit me up on LinkedIn at Jesse Nolan. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much all for, uh, for this week. David, thank you so much for coming on. Jesse, thank you so much. This has been great. Um, and I would love to be back on again if you ever needed uh, somebody on. Yeah, absolutely. We'll have you again. We'll have you on again. Thanks for listening, folks. <laughs>